You're listening to The Underground Podcast, a platform to inspire, encourage, and stir up kingdom mission. Our aim is to resource you, the listener, with discussions that empower your calling to follow Jesus in every unique context of life. My name is Leanne Tybitt, and on today's episode, I will be joined by Brian Sanders to discuss more about missional sacraments. If you didn't catch our last episode, we talked about ordination and communion as missional sacraments for our underground community. And on this episode, which is part two, we will be talking about reconciliation, incarnation, and proclamation. So if you didn't catch last episode, um, be sure to check that out on our iTunes or on our website. And we're going to go ahead and jump right in. The next sacrament that you mentioned was the idea of repentance and reconciliation, and just the idea that those two things are kind of create one sacrament, and I wonder if you could comment more on that. Well, I wanted to say reconciliation. I, I, mm. I, that was really my starting point. You know, I think that, okay, how do I say this? Being wrong, mm-hmm. breaking something and then needing to restore that relationship. I just think that happens to us all the time. So we're just always sinning against each other. We're always harming each other. And mostly when you have good, strong relationships, mostly people just, they let it go, right? They they move on. Um, But sometimes it's hard, and sometimes we've really done something, some damage. And I just don't, I think as as a missionary community that's very experimental, we're just trying things. And we, we push the boundaries of things. And also we're full of profits. So everybody's right. got everybody's got an opinion <laughs> and uh, strong mm-hmm. opinions strong often. Opinions. <laughs> um, you're going to fail. You're going to break relationship. Plus, like I mentioned, you know, the, the work of the devil, the work of the enemy is always to, to, to fragment, mm. to break apart, um, to sever. Um, he takes whole things and and fragments them, mm-hmm. right? And conversely, the work of God in the world, I think, fundamentally, is restoration. It's like the bringing back right. together of things. So obviously something something as profound and large as like racial reconciliation. We're talking about racial injustice, but you could also say economic injustice. Mm-hmm. These This creates not just disparity, but it creates deep, deep brokenness. Mm-hmm. It's evil. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the work of reconciliation is sacramental. When there's reconciliation, both in a, in a micro level, like I, I, har- I hurt you, mm-hmm. um, I wronged you, I sinned against you, the, the process or the, the humility to, to seek reconciliation and then to find it is sacramental. God is always in that, I think. Mm. Always. There's always grace. And then, of course, on a macro level, the pursuit of that by one community, say a majority community, which has wronged and sinned historically against another community, a minority community, there has to be humility. Um, there has to be the same kind of contrition and repentance. Mm-hmm. So I want to just talk about reconciliation, but I realize there's really no way to talk about reconciliation without talking right. about repentance because mm-hmm. sin is always in there. Right. <laughs> uh, I'm not talking about like a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about sin right. and evil, both personal sin and systemic or structural mm-hmm. sin. So in both cases, repentance is like 
Well, it's like the body and the blood make up the one sacrament. So repentance and reconciliation make up this sacrament. And I just think we we need to get better at saying we're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for me personally, there's almost always grace in that. Like th- to, to, that our lives should be baptized in repentance. This was the the urging of John the Baptist, mm-hmm. Jesus, Peter at Pentecost. It's oh, just yeah. baptize your life in I was wrong, totally wrong, utterly wrong. Mm-hmm. Have mercy both to God and to each other. Mm-hmm. So that vertical reconciliation but also horizontal reconciliation, we just need to get better at it. And when we do it, at least me, when every time I do that, admit I'm wrong, really repent and seek to restore that which is broken, God is always present. Mm-hmm. There's always grace in it. I know I've heard you mention before um, when, you know, one of your kids does something they shouldn't do or uh, does something wrong that when they are truly repentant, uh, it's something that you really delight in. Can you explain that? Yeah, maybe. And maybe all my kids, you know, I I think when they admit they're wrong, because that's not their strong suit, by the (laughs) way. And I I don't I really don't know where that comes from because I'm so (laughs) humble. But, you know. When they admit they're wrong, it really does delight me mm-hmm. because I'm proud of them. I, you know, I have hope for them. I just want them to learn. I, I don't. It doesn't bother me so much that they failed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. I'm not claiming this is how God feels. I'm just talking about my own experience as a father. It, it's the failure is, is one sort of grief, but the failure to repent of that failure is a total another level it's exponentially harder on me and when they repent or when they say you know i was wrong and i'm so sorry and it's genuine and it's heartfelt and and then maybe in turn there's a a seeking of reconciliation or restoration with their sibling or whomever they've wronged it just delights me you know it, it I have to I have to sort of guard my happiness, <laughs> you know, yeah. because you're just still like a serious right. moment, you know. Yes, that's very serious. You should really, <laughs> you know, apologize for that. But I'm but I'm so pleased with them, and I think God, you know, what what is it what is it that David says? The psalmist says, "A broken and contrite spirit of God, you will not despise." This is what pleases God is mm. a, is our brokenness, mm. our 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 willingness to see and then confront our own wickedness mm-hmm. and to cry out for mercy and to ask that that which is broken be restored. The whole thing, I think, delights God. The whole thing, I think, mm-hmm. pleases God. Not the sin maybe that causes it, right. but what did Paul say? You know, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Mm-hmm. So sin is there. What will God do with it? What will he make of it? And I think in, in the pursuit of re- repentance and reconciliation, and again, I, I mean that in a macro sense, but I also really mean it in a very, very simple, dyadic, relational sense too. God's present grace is delivered mm-hmm. every time. That's great. Um, and then the, the, fourth, the fourth sacrament you have mm-hmm. is incarnation, um, which maybe feels a little bit close to kind of what you're talking about in the communion um, based on like around the table in 
with each other with hospitality, but talk more about how that's kind of different and, and what you mean by incarnation as a sacrament. Well, this is maybe more plain to us, especially as missionaries. Um, you know, Jesus has, has, has made promises to us. You know, you can think of Matthew 25, this, this um, binding that he does between himself and the poor, the imprisoned, the blind, the marginalized, the rejected, the needy. He's saying, look, whatever you do to these, the least of these, my brothers, he says, well, that you do it to me. And whatever you don't, the harder bit, the converse, whatever you don't do to them, you have not done to me. So what is Jesus doing? I mean, it's it's got to be one of the most um, uh, challenging texts in the New Testament. He's saying, I'm, I'm associating myself forever with people who have great need. Hmm. And if you will enter into that need, you'll find me there. You'll experience me. So it's not hard then to to recognize that Jesus, the life of Jesus, the incarnation of Jesus, that is God becoming flesh, God taking on human form, is itself uh, a missiological gesture. He's saying, this is how you ought to do mission. This is how you ought to come into the world. This is how you ought to bring the good news. This is, this is, I, he's not just, he's not just, um, you know, offering a, a singular one-time yeah. gesture. He's saying, this is how you ought to do it. So, you know, is it John 17 where Jesus says, look, as the father has sent me, so I send you the exact same way in which right. the father sends me, I send you. Well, how did the father send him? He sent him from his perfection and glory and whatever the right hand of God into the mess of the poverty of the the flea infestation of a stable a first century stable mm-hmm. and even more mind-boggling the 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 confinement the condes- condescension of godhood into a, a an infant's body right. with no bowel control and and spitting up and so forth mm-hmm. it's 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 almost incalculably difficult to understand. How is that even possible? And so it's, it's, it's both the humiliation of God and the condescension of God into a space, a condition, which is beneath him. Mm. And I don't think there's any debate about that. There's no question about that. And yet that becomes, that taking on a flesh, incarnating, becomes a model for us in mission. So, okay, I want to go be like Jesus. I want to be little Jesus in the world. I want to offer Jesus to other people in the world. Uh, how, how do I do that? And, and, and Jesus is saying, look, bring my message on your back, in your mouth, in your feet, in your hands, into the world, but you have to do it this way. You have to take on the flesh of the people that you want to reach. So if I want to reach, you know, I don't know, B-boys, which is hard to, it's hard to go there, but yeah. I could see it now. It's mm-hmm. in my mind. I, I need, I need to, I need to learn to their ways. Yeah. I need to learn to do it, to dance that way. And like their music, I have to, I have to take that flesh on me. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I come at it any other way, it isn't wrong per se, but it's inferior. Right. It's not a representation of that value. And then you have something like a Matthew 25 or even like Hebrews, which is talking about, look, you, we've got to go to Jesus who died outside the city. That's where he is. That's where he died. That's where he is. 
That's where he'll always be. Mm-hmm. And we go to him outside the city. That's where he is. He's trying to reach people. And now, now he's saying, look, when you incarnate, when you go to those in need in my name, when you take on their flesh for the sake of loving them, saving them, knowing them, I'm there. Every time I will be there. So now there's grace. That That's why it possibly is sacramental. Mm-hmm. And then just experientially, existentially, I think every time I'm with the very poor. Right. You're experiencing that. Oh, you always yeah. you always sense, even no matter how awkward it is, and it's always awkward. Mm-hmm. Or or with someone who does not know Jesus or has not really heard or understood the gospel, and you're trying to share the gospel. It's almost never not awkward at right. some level. And yet, it's undeniable that God is present. Mm-hmm. If you, if your if your if your eyes are open, mm-hmm. which I suppose is true of all these sacraments, you have to be aware, discerning. Yeah, discerning. But um, in my experience, to be with the very poor, those in need, those in prison, is um, is to experience the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, and then the the very last one you have is proclamation, and um, I think I was most intrigued by this one because it felt like one that um, I don't know we don't necessarily see as often or see as much like it's a lost uh, lost art or lost function as as far as I mean we do see people preaching but as far For as seeing people, it yeah. mm-hmm. in this way um, I think that was really interesting. Well, it isn't. This is the one of these paradoxes, I guess, because plenty of people are still preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. The problem is I, I just don't like them, a lot of them. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you just told me a story, didn't you, about being in a parade and there were people. Yeah, there were people. They were preaching. Preaching. Something. <laughs> right. Hatred. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the gospel was in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Or some version of it. So proclamation is still out there. The problem is the people that seem to value it as a discipline, mm-hmm. or if it's what I'm saying, maybe even a sacramental quality to it, they seem to struggle with love. So it takes a lot of boldness to stand up, or even in, even in a singular conversation, to say, "Look, I'm just going to tell you this, right. you know, because it's true, mm-hmm. and it could save your life." And that kind of propositional idea that Jesus has come and died and rose mm. to solve your sin problem and to reconcile you to God. I just, you know, I think of Romans 10. Uh, how will they believe in one whom they have not heard? Right. And how will they hear unless someone preaches? It's a very simple logic. And yet, look, our ilk, you know, the people that like to go care for the poor and do things in the world, they, they think sometimes that that's enough. And there's some, sort of, mm-hmm. there's some sort of idea that, you know, always preach the gospel when necessary, use words. That's it's right. like, no, the gospel must be preached. Mm-hmm. It is by definition something that has to be preached. It has to be communicated in word to another person. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Why does, for example, Paul say in Romans ten, you know, you have if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, 
then this 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 salvation, this possibility of salvation becomes accessible to you. Listen, what what Tertullian says, do the, do the ears of God wait for sound? God doesn't need to hear you say anything out loud. So why confess out loud? Why is that necessary for salvation? Mm-hmm. Believing in your heart, that we understand. Because to us, it just seems like it should be a very private thing, right? right? My do, belief yeah. in God, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. I believe in your heart. I believe in my heart that this is true and real and whatever. And so that should be enough. That should be saving faith. And yet Paul is saying, that's mm, half of saving faith. The other half is a confession, a public uh, verbalization, mm-hmm. right? The gospel must be preached, and it's all very circular. He's saying, "Look, the gospel must be preached. How else will people know?" And actually, to, to, to be saved itself is about preaching. It's about public confession. Mm-hmm. We have to make that public confession. This is how, this is how the the gospel mysteriously is is transmitted one person mm-hmm. to another. So, look. There are times I'm sure I would I would rather not be bold, right? Not not rather not put my own relational capital on the line with some person mm-hmm. or persons. And yet I I also realize that every time I am bold and take that step and cross that line and have the courage to say to a person out of love, out of real love, not not like those guys you saw on the street. Mm-hmm. But out of actual love for them to really share that, I have never done that in my life where I did not experience the presence of God, mm-hmm. the grace of God. Never, never. And even when it's terrible, even when I'm just <laughs> made a complete hash of it, mm-hmm. I've never not walked away feeling sort of a, a, I don't know, a flushing of my cheeks and a and a the butterflies in the stomach and the awareness like this is this pleased God, this pleases God. At least trying to articulate this saving truth like you're 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 touching something which is eternal and which has this incredible potential in the life of the person you're talking to to completely change them forever for eternity mm-hmm. uh is that all there is to the gospel no of course not does should the gospel be embodied you better believe it uh is it enough to just go around saying with our mouths the gospel but not also living it with our lives and also demonstrating it in justice and the wholeness of of the kingdom itself? Of course not. I'm not saying that. This is why all these things are sacraments, not just the one. But, man, if if we go back to the beginning, the question is, these are things that always have grace in them. And every time you do them, you feel an intimacy with God, a closeness with God, like like the taking of the communion elements. Mm-hmm. Why would we not want right. to do it? Yeah, I think that's one of my questions is, why is that such a hang-up for us? Is it just a sense of humiliation or embarrassment or... Mm. Um, you know what is that about proclamation that we just feel? Well, yeah, I mean, I there's there's got to be some kind of cultural prohibition going <laughs> sure, on here. Sure. We just we just don't preaching itself. The word preaching is has a negative connotation, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, don't preach to me. You know, this person's preachy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, don't, judgmental. Yeah, or, it, yeah, and what, what that equates to is is what you saw on the street. Mm-hmm. It equates to a person that's not, there's no dialogue, there's no openness, there's no humility. It's not human to human. It's like superior to inferior. Mm-hmm. And yeah, who wants that? Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, there definitely is a cultural prohibition against dogma. The idea that I know and you don't, mm-hmm. um, or that I have, I have some sort of truth which applies to everyone, which is, which is all the more reason. And yet, I would say too, there's a great craving for that. Mm-hmm. So because of that prohibition... Nobody ever tells anybody the truth, or how they really feel. Yes, their, their strict opinions. Yeah, or 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 does it in a way that's loving? Mm-hmm. Um, no one. We're, we're we're desperate for someone to give us something to hold on to, 
mm-hmm. something real, something absolute. Uh, but but that's not okay. That's not done. People don't do it. We don't we don't offer each other absolutes. At, at best, in a postmodern mindset, we can offer our story. You know mm-hmm. what was true for me, Experience. but I can't say whether it's true for you. So I think in general, the postmodern context is very good. It's very healthy. Yeah, we shouldn't be trying to like impose our dogmas on each other unless the thing is eternal. Mm. And there's just not that many things like that in the world. But the gospel is one of those things. So we should be, our lives, our relationships should be replete with humility and listening. And then all of a sudden, when it comes to the gospel, this should stand out. It should be like, listen, I don't really know. And yeah, I'm just like you, just trying to figure out life. And I get it wrong a lot too. And this is my story. This is what I can share. However, when it comes to this thing, something, a light turns on in us, an authority fills us. We have to say, but this one thing I know for sure. God came in the form of his son for you, for me. This I know for sure. This I know. This one thing I'm staking my whole life on, and you should too. So, and and again, uh, this is an experiential thing. I think all of us can say when we do that, it's hard to deny that God is there. He's present. There's grace in that day. I mean, it's, it's just powerful and palpable, you know, every time. That's great. I think my last question would just be, uh, you talked about kind of how the five kind of work together. And I wondered if you could just comment uh, a little bit on that and why they're important together. So I, th- I think there's something very beautiful and meaningful about just asking the question in each of our communities where do we always seem to see grace even when we do it poorly and to capture those somehow in words and then to chase them to repeat them as often as possible to mm-hmm. cherish them somehow mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of sacraments you know the the catholics are um rich in their sacraments, and it's good. it's good in a sense. I, I'm jealous, you see, of their seven mm-hmm. possibilities. <laughs> you know, um, although I think you maybe have to die to get one, and then you maybe have to get married, yeah. so that you can't you can't just run off and get all seven <laughs> in one day or something. But True. get your last rites and um, extreme unction. I think it's anyway. Um, so I'm jealous of that because I think can we and should we maybe acknowledge for our different communities or try to answer the question, man, we always see God doing this in us somehow. And so we, 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 you know, memorialize that. We, we, we ceremonialize it and we try to capture it as often as we can. Um, Celebrating it every time it happens even and recognizing that when these things are happening, occurring, we are the church. It's making us the church. So if these five things are meaningful for the underground or our unique missionary community, then I think, man, any time that they're happening, we would become conscious of our ecclesial identity. Like, man, we're, the, we're being the church right now. Mm-hmm. We are this thing that Jesus said the gates of hell would not, hell would not prevail against. We are this thing. Mm-hmm. 
every time we, we reconcile, every time we proclaim the good news, every time uh, we enter into the pain, the suffering, the need of other people, we are being the church. We, 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 the, the, the sacraments belong to the church. The sacraments belong to the holy people of God. And every time we, we, you know, collectively embrace them, we're being something ancient and something eternal, uh, something that's going to exist forever. So I, I don't mean to be melodramatic, you know, but I, but I think, yeah, yeah. isn't it more, more is going on than just you tried to share the gospel with your friend today? Right. You know, that's that's a part of why I think asking the question and answering the question has has some sort of traction for us emotionally uh, and, and in creating rhythms or or like I start thinking about the liturgy, the liturgy of our lives, the liturgy of our communities, these practices which we all cling to for the grace of God. And then, of course, the more we do them, not only do they define us. But we're talking about the delivery of more grace into our lives. And who doesn't want more of that right. you know, or need? You know. And I think it's really a spurring on to continue to do those things, even when they're hard. Because I think when you're talking about something like reconciliation or something like incarnation, those are can be very hard things. But Good point. if we are receiving the grace of God in them, it's like we're running to them because we need, we need that. We need that grace from him, that touch of the kingdom in that space. So I, I love that Agreed. image. Good. Cool. Well, thank you very much for You're being welcome. here. <laughs> this was episode one, part two of the Underground Podcast. Be sure to stay tuned next time as we will have a special guest with us here in the studio. And you can catch all of our episodes on iTunes or on our website at tampaunderground.com slash podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>